Welcome to Outside the Tank, the first podcast in the world that interviews the entrepreneurs featured on Shark Tank. We get the inside scoop on how they got there, what lessons they learned, their biggest regrets, what didn't air on TV, what has happened to them since, and so much more. Prepare to be informed, inspired, and entertained. Welcome to an all-new episode of Outside the Tank. Welcome to an all-new episode of Outside the Tank. I'm Tom. I'm Joe. Merry Christmas, Joe. <laughs> it's almost Christmas. It's Christmas. It's Christmas all year I, round I, I, for this guy that we're going to talk talk to today. Well, I I <laughs> I decided that whenever we aired the episode about modern Christmas trees, it was officially Christmas. Yeah, okay? we should be wearing bad sweaters. So, weren't you wearing a bad sweater this morning? Yeah, <laughs> I was. We were getting Christmas pictures. My wife, she didn't pick out an ugly sweater. She picked out a nice sweater. Oh, okay. The problem is. I don't wear sweaters. Yeah. Okay. I wear quarter zips. They're you know yeah. kind of performance feel. So I've got this. I don't. Wore and we're in Arizona, and yeah, I think it's going to be and we're in Arizona. Today. <laughs> and I, you, you should see me trying to put this thing on because I have a dress shirt underneath. Rough. Okay. How often do I wear dress shirts? Never. Well, unless I'm going to a wedding or a funeral, yeah. I don't wear a dress shirt. So I got my dress shirt on. Couldn't find my cufflinks, so I just rolled up the sleeves. Then I try putting the sweater over. I get everything <laughs> bunched out. I almost rip my shoulder out of the socket trying to like untuck retuck. Right. Okay. Looks horrible. Yeah. I, I, in fact, so we got our pictures taken at the uh, at these botanical gardens. Right. Okay. I was so uncomfortable in what I was wearing. You know what I did? I pulled over like just in the middle of nowhere and I changed right there. Like outside my car. I'm, I'm wearing completely different clothes now. I was so uncomfortable. I was going to change up here when I came in. I couldn't even wait that long. Yeah, well, and, and also so I, would have made, of, so I would have made fun of you. And that I was know. the other so motivation. I, so I, I changed on the side of the road because I was so uncomfortable yeah. in a sweater and a dress shirt. Okay. So anyways, but those are the Christmas cars. It is now the Christmas season. I'm actually going to start playing Christmas music around here. You know? Did you know that? I, I like I Christmas did, music. I did not November know and December and even into Big January. Christmas every guy. year, Christmas music. I will work out on my Peloton to Christmas music. Wow. Yeah. That's fantastic. Puts me in a good mood. Yeah, I could take... I might, I might start being nice to you. I could take... Well, if that's going to... If that's what will do it, then please play Turn Christmas tunes. I can handle Christmas music for about three to four days. Perfect. And I'm going to play it for three straight months. Good. Now that I know it, uh, you don't like it, I'm going to play it more. Matt Bliss. $100,000 for 10% is the ask. Modern Christmas trees, I would describe them as a very um, high-end, beautiful, modern Christmas tree. Really? Messy. Really, really pieces not, of art. Though. Yeah, I mean, it, yeah, it's, it's, it's like artwork. It's very classy. You can change the colors. Really, really cool product. Um, at the time of airing, 12 3 17, um, season 9, episode 13, he had done about $380,000 in the year, okay, with 50% margins. Yeah. Not bad. Uh, at the time of airing, the big tree was $232 to manufacture, selling it for $799. At the time of airing, 80% of his sales were on his website, 20% were retail. It's now all off the website. Yep. Direct to consumer, no retail, and uh, and that's the story. So what happens? So he goes into the tank, and uh, uh, Cuban uh, taps out pretty quickly. He didn't see the business scaling. Uh, Robert 
felt like the trees were just beautiful, but he cited a limited market. Uh, Mr. Wonderful, he just thought the trees were too expensive. Uh, Lori uh, also fell into that too expensive camp, but thought the trees were fantastic. So, you know, not a, not a phenomenal reception, except Barb snuck in at the end, uh, picked off 18% of the company, and I think also... Uh, receives a five percent royalty. Five dollar. Five dollar royalty. Five dollar per unit. In perpetuity. I don't remember until she's paid back. Until she's paid back. And so, um, you know, great, great partner to have. But really, these trees are beautiful. There's a great story here. Uh, this is a family tradition, <laughs> and he has some tattoos to prove it. <laughs> All right, let's get to our interview with Matt Bliss. We're here with Matt Bliss of Modern Christmas Tree. Matt, welcome to the show. Trees is the modern Christmas trees. Trees, <laughs> plural. Okay. Because we're selling a lot of them. They're correct. There's not one. There's many. <laughs> well, welcome. It's great, great to have you here, and... Uh, you know, walk us through the story of, of how modern Christmas trees came to be. Yeah, thanks. First of all, thanks for having me. Um, it's a, a really neat story, and I take a lot of pride in telling it. Um, so my grandfather designed this uh, mod- a modern version of a Christmas tree made out of concentric rings for our family back in 1966. Um, we've kind of tried to trace it back looking at photos, and that's the earliest photo that we have of the tree. And so it was the tree that we grew up with, um, spending Christmas Eve at their house during, uh, obviously Christmas Eve during the holidays. And, uh, it was always kind of the, the centerpiece of Christmas for us. And it was just something I thought was so cool. And I don't think at an early age, I understood that he had made it. I just thought it was really cool. I, I, I wasn't so impressed by the fact that he did it. I don't think other than, wow, this is so amazing. And so, um, he was diagnosed with Alzheimer's in about 2011, and that was a, a really tough thing for me. And um, he, a few years prior, I had helped him and my grandmother move into a retirement community. And his original tree was sitting on the top shelf in the garage, and I asked him if I could have it. And I think he was um, surprised that anyone had an interest in it. And so I put it up, and I left it up for several years. And then when he was diagnosed, I, that was really tough on me. And I decided, you know what? I, I love this and I'm not sure if other people would love it. And so I updated it um, and uh, produced two true trees and took it to a local trade show just to get people's reaction. And that was basically the start of it back in 2011. Now, um, tell me about that. Cause I thought that was very interesting. You went to the trade show in Denver. Uh-huh. Yep. As the story goes, and I thought this was so cool when you talked about this on your appearance. You just set the trees up and you walked away, but you stayed close enough to hear the reaction from uh, passersby. Yeah, I think originally I ran away because I, I think anytime you you do something, whether you're public speaking or you're creating a piece of art or designing something, there's a little a level of insecurity that goes with showing people, right? Um, it's one thing to create it for yourself and only for your eyes, but when you actually show it to people, there's a little insecurity that goes with that. And the fact that it was my grandfather's original idea and invention, um, I think I was really thin-skinned. Um, and so part of me running away was just um, 
not wanting to hear negative reactions to it. And thank God the the, the reactions from people were just overly positive. Um, you know, not everyone was in love with it, but you know, I, some of my favorite comments are, "Well, it's not my style, but." I get it, and I know that my friends would love it. You know, it, it's one of those things where it either resonates to you like art or it doesn't. And, um, yeah, it was a, a neat way to to get customer feedback. And I, at that point, was super excited and, of course, thought I was going to sell thousands, and that wasn't the case. <laughs> now, had you, uh, at the time of the Denver Trade Show, had you applied for a patent or already received a patent? I had applied for a, a patent at that point. That was my public unveiling. Um, which is part of the patent process where, um, you know, uh, I'm not sure what the phrase is, but once it's uh, available to the public or the public sees it, I believe you have 20, uh, 12 months to apply for the patent. So that was the initial unveiling of of the design. Um, and then I got it about a year later. So. How many changes did you make from your grandfather's original prototype? Um, not some, um, you know, his tree had a diameter of 48 inches. Um, and the problem with that from a shipping standpoint is it's three times more expensive than if you ship something that has a diameter of 42 inches. So from, uh, uh, from that aspect, I decided, well, I, I need a slimmer tree because of the shipping costs associated with it. Um, the material is very similar. Um, he had changed up the, and it was a kind of a sign of the times, but his trees were very, very busy, um, with garland and ornaments. And I mean, it, 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 what I did is I kind of stripped away a lot of that stuff, kind of the whole, um, idea of less is more from the design aspect and let kind of the, the architecture and then the fact, the way the light interacts with the tree is just an, uh, an uplight that points up at the tree, which causes all those amazing reflections that you see on the ceiling. Um, that wasn't kind of a, uh, a focal point for him or uh, something I think that it was something that I discovered that was amazing about the tree. And I don't think it was something that was as important to him. I think he liked the idea that it was easy to put up. It was easy to take down and it collapsed flat and <laughs> the kids uh, weren't allergic to it. And, um, you know, growing up, they didn't like the, the way artificial Christmas trees look. They look fake. So, um, yeah, I just kind of slimmed it, slimmed it, uh, down a little bit and, uh, the dimensions were different. The number of rings were different. Um, all based on either, a, you know, a shipping or a, you know, a design, uh, change that I thought would, would be better. And the, and the height of traditional ceilings as well. So um, I needed to take all those things into account to figure out, you know, how, how best to present this. So, Were you an entrepreneur prior to this? Uh, no, well, no, not really. I mean, I was in the mortgage business. So, I mean, I've been 100% commission since I was like 24 years old or something. Um, so from that aspect, you know, I've always been somebody who – I guess had a little bit of that, but I wasn't creating anything. There was no creativity associated with my past life, although I studied art and design in college. So the great thing about this tree, and I'm seeing this uh, most recently in the past year, is what a gift my grandfather gave me. It's like a baton, you know, like you have the opportunity now to be creative and to, you know, to create stuff and, um, you know, 
bring it to market and see if it resonates. And so uh, that wasn't necessarily a, a perspective I thought initially. It was a lot of pressure that I put on myself, like this is your family's legacy and he's looking down on you. And I, I think I've taken a lot of that pressure off and treated this like just a, a gift, like it came at the perfect time for me. I was, you know, not, not excited about what I was doing anymore. I was feeling creative, but didn't have an outlet. And here, here's this gift. My grandfather left me with a bunch of pickup lines. <laughs> he, he, he didn't meet a blonde he didn't like. And so that was the gift. He, I haven't, I wasn't able to monetize it per se, but I, I married a beautiful blonde. So, you know, well, there you go. I mean, yes. you're the big winner. And, and my grandfather taught me how to drink wine at age 11. So that's what Italian grandfathers do. Well, I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm highlighting all the positives associated with, uh, with my grandfather. So, um, I mean, he was a regular man like anyone else. Uh, you know what? He was, uh, he was from what I believe is a incredible generation. And they, they just don't make people like that anymore. It's so true. And I, I've heard this from a number of people. And it was kind of that post World War II, you know, uh, generation where, you know, they were all handy. You know, they all had pride in, 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 in America and, um, worked their asses off to achieve what they got. And, um, yeah, he was a Navy man, and um, the most important things in the world to him were just his family. You know, he had um, five kids. My mom was the oldest and four younger boys. And, uh, you know, the, the most important thing for him was to provide for his family and to get them through college. And those were really, you know, his only goals. He didn't care about fame or getting his name in the paper or anything like that. Uh, he was extremely humble. And that's why I think this is kind of a neat thing. I mean, his signature is laser engraved on the bottom of every tree that I make. So <laughs> he's going to become famous whether he likes it or not. So, well, and it's, it's interesting you say that because my grandfather would often say to me, he goes, you know, not all families get along like we do. And mm-hmm. Tommy, I don't know what the hell's wrong with them. He'd say right. it all the time. I don't know. I don't know how you can't do that. And he just, you're right. I mean, most of it just, there was such a value on family and there was, you know, they weren't on Instagram. They weren't worried about themselves, their personal brand. It was right. just all about family and whatever you had was for the family. And it's just, it's just such a different mindset than we live in now. It's, it's totally true. And thank God that they, they, uh, they did that. I mean, we, we, um, and it's, it suffered a little bit when they, they passed away, um, it, but it's a different time. Um, but I have incredible memories growing up with my, and I'm still incredibly close to my cousins and my, you know, uncles. And, um, you know, it, it was, it was a great thing. Um, just have fantastic memories about them. Think about them all the time. Yeah. It sounds, it's, it's something I think about a lot too, of you try to cherish those memories forever you try to laugh about, you know, a lot of the good times. And I, you know, I know for me, I look at the best qualities of, of my grandfather and, and people like him and people like your grandfather. And I think the best thing we can do is just to the best of our abilities, embody those characteristics, right? Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think, I think I am, um, you know, he set a high bar, but you know, he was an honest person and he worked hard more than anything. And I, I, you know, those are two things that I pride myself on is, you know, I work hard and I say what I'm 
you know, I do what I'm going, I say I'm going to do. And, um, he was definitely the same way. He built, uh, A-frame cabins throughout the Rocky Mountains. <laughs> so, and prior to that, he worked, uh, doing projects for NASA, um, uh, designing some of the, uh, liquid nitrogen tanks. So it's just interesting to see his transition from being in, you know, an engineer in, in, in that realm of things and then starting an A-frame cabin. And of course he thought up this amazing Christmas tree. It's like, well, yeah, I mean, and, and you, it, it's, it's weird because it, you, you, you hit on something. It's that generation. They worked mm-hmm. with their hands. They built things. There was nothing they wouldn't try to take apart and fix. My yep. father was, uh, served in the army, but also he was a watchmaker. He was a master yeah. mechanic and he became an aerospace engineer, uh, mm-hmm. and worked on the Apollo missions and there were, and he built there you go. from scratch or whatever. My grandfather worked on the Apollo missions as well. Ah. Yeah. Small world. Yeah, but there's nothing, probably like your grandpa, my dad, there's nothing they wouldn't try to take apart and figure yeah. out. Yeah. So it's very. For sure. If they didn't have to buy it and they could make it, yeah. you know, that, 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 there was something there. So in 2011, you do the prototype, you do this trade show. Give us the timeline of what happened over those six years between that and you appearing on Shark Tank. Yeah, I think any entrepreneur will tell you it's major ups and downs. Um, we, we had a lot of really great wins. Like the, the, one of the cool things about getting that patent in 2012 is my grandfather passed away at the end of September in 2012. I was issued a patent on the design a week later. And then a month later, I, I had um, made um, 16 custom trees for the Disneyland Hotel in Anaheim. And so that was like a major first win. For, I mean, who gets to work with Disney? And they're commissioning me to, you know, create these, you know, pieces just for their hotel. How and, did that uh, even happen? Um, you know, it happens like the way everything happens. You just put yourself out there over and over again and somebody knows somebody. So it was a situation where I was going to do a trade show in San Francisco and I reached out to somebody who knew someone and then that person knew the person at Disney, you know, this is like 101 stuff for anybody who's interested in about being an entrepreneur is talk to everyone. You know, you you have no idea who knows what. Um, One of my goals this year is to get the trees displayed in the White House. would be just a a great venue to, you know, they always do a huge spread there. And, um, and so I posted on social media, you know, this is my dream. Who can help make it happen? And I got like 40 people respond and we've got some warm leads now. And it's like, that's how things happen. You just put yourself out there and, you know, knowing that you might not succeed, but you you do it anyways and you do it enough times and you're going to succeed. That's so cool. So by the time you got to Shark Tank, was this full time for you? When did that occur? When did you go all in? On this business, yeah, I, I went in all in in 2014. I got to the point where I just could not get out of bed to go to my old job, and it was, you know, we were starting to um, see success, and you know, we had passed kind of the proof of concept uh, stage, and um, you know, thankfully, I had saved a lot of money. I was the business was self funded, um, so I have nothing but this company. <laughs> Um, you know, I cash out my 401k and decided that, you know, I mean, I could afford to do it. I mean, I was a, I'm a single guy. I don't have children. And so, 
you know, at the time I was like, I can afford to take a chance. If I had children and a wife, you know, you could argue that maybe it was not the right decision to do because I have these other things that are equally important, if not much more important. And so uh went all in in 2014, and we had years that were decent where I could get bills paid and years that were very, very lean. And um, about the time that Shark Tank called, um, the executive producer called me because they do a Christmas show, and there's only so much content there is. So I had been told – I had thought about applying to be on Shark Tank for years before, but there was this pride thing in me that I wanted to do it on my own and I don't need them, but they came calling at the exact right time. I, I needed money um, to continue to, to move this thing, but, you know, buy inventory and to maybe for a number of things. And so, yeah, they reached out to me saying, we're doing this Christmas show and, you know, would you, would you apply? We think you could be a great fit. And so obviously I went through that process, which you've heard about from probably other people that you, interviewed and uh yeah that's how that's how it went and then how did life change for you uh immediately after airing you aired on that christmas episode Mm -hmm. what happens with orders what happens to the business what happens to distribution um yeah i mean the reality of a seasonal product is you have one chance per year to get it right so yeah there is no doubt that um we saw uh, a spike in sales um that year uh the drawback is we were on the first week in December and a lot of people already have their tree up by that point. So, you know, had I had my way, which of course that's not how it works, I would have had it aired like Thanksgiving day or the day after Thanksgiving. Um, so yeah, there's no doubt that it, you know, that we were, we had a tremendous bump in sales and, um, you know, we, I talked to a woman yesterday who'd been looking at the tree for the last few years and I said well where did you first see the tree and she said on Shark Tank so there's no doubt that that exposure has been tremendous for us just uh, the brand awareness this is not an impulse buy um, this is a, a tree that people you know um, you know they're, they're not inexpensive so certainly it's an investment and you know the people who are purchasing the tree are young families looking to establish a new tradition for their family um, they are a lot of baby boomer boomers who are looking to make the holidays special uh, and memorable for their family. Cause oftentimes you go to mom and dad's for, for Christmas and you know, the idea that they're easy to put up and easy to take down certainly is a, um, an advantage over traditional trees, but people just love the way they look. They, they see it as a, a design piece or an art piece. Um, that's what we hear from the people who purchase the tree. At the time of airing, you were 80% uh, through your website and 20% retail. How's that changed over the past four years? We are 100% through the website. Um, And that hasn't, there's a bunch of reasons why. The retail is changing dramatically, as you guys know. And, uh, you know, I met with Target. The trees were sold through Frontgate and a bunch of other companies. And, you know, these companies, a lot of them aren't doing that well. And they're scrambling to accumulate as much product as they can on their web- website. They don't take any risks. They don't buy anything. And, um, you know, the, the problem with that from our standpoint is, well, we don't have any control over the story, which I think resonates with, you know, our buyers. And you, you're not going to buy a fine art piece, you know, on Amazon. You know, you want to know who the artist is. You want to know who the designer is. 
you know, those things are how it's made is important to you. It's not necessarily a commodity. Um, and so we weren't able to tell that story that well. And the problem with a lot of these, well, companies like Amazon is that, A, people expect that they ordered now, they're going to get it tomorrow by noon. And that's just not the case. Um, and so that, from, a, from a customer service standpoint, that's a, a bit of a hurdle. And their return policies are so liberal that what we found is that we get a bunch of returns after Christmas and they would say, yeah, you know, we didn't really like it as much as we thought, but thanks, you know, thanks for the loaner. Yeah. So we, we decided, you know what, let's, let's do it differently. We're, we're not going to try and compete with what, you know, traditional artificial Christmas trees. We're going to do things completely different and hopefully that resonates with the customer. How do you acquire new customers? Um, well, I mean, we, we, um, that's a that's a great question. Um, we we do a variety of marketing things. One of my uh, marketing strategies was to get incredible photography um, because the tree in person is like nothing else. I mean, we try and replicate it as best we can through the images that we get. So we've had photo shoots and really some fantastic uh, architecturally significant homes. Um, and the idea is that you put those on the internet and allow social media, media to help tell, tell your story. So that, you know, that marketing strategy is changing a little bit in terms of how we acquire a customer. We're trying to learn much more about who our customer is. Um, I actually hired a business consultant. Um, the reality is most CEOs don't know who their customer is. And so we are going back to the basics that we are having success in spite of ourselves, but we are making marketing decisions. It's like I was telling my marketing guy that we're hunting with an Uzi, just pointing at any, anything and shooting. Um, and what we really need to do is really figure out more about who our customer is and what problem we're solving for them and what their motivation was to buy so that we can create content specifically speaks to them. You know, it's not about sales and 50% off and after Christmas sale and this and that. that we, we, we tried that for a while, but that's not who we want to be. Um, the, the feedback that I got, you know, when you, when you buy something and I was in uh, Office Max the other day and they had this laptop computer and it was 50% off and kind of the uneducated consumer in me initially said, that's the best deal. It's 50% off. It says right there. Um, versus it's 50% off because what they're saying is it's not worth what the retail price is. Um, and we, we're not, we don't have a commodity and we don't really want to play that game. We want the people who believe in this tree to get the same deal across the board. And the reality is we can't make thousands and thousands of these trees. Um, that it's not scalable like that. And that's not how I want it to be. And so, um, People are buying it because, you know, it's not everywhere and we, we run a limited amount of trees every year because that's what we can handle. And I, that gives me the ability to assemble all the trees. And um, so that's kind of the direction that we're going. We're not focusing on a larger market. We're focusing on the people who we're consolidating our market, focusing on the people that that get it and believe in it. What's your vision for the company? Um, well, there's a couple of things. First of all, there, uh, we, this will be the first year that we'll ship locally in Canada. Canada is a great market for us, but the problem is when you ship a product from Denver to Canada, there, it gets caught up in customs and then the customer experience is horrible. 
because I guess FedEx arrives at the, the door and says, okay, here is your tree. Now you owe us $127 for the duty and taxes associated with this. So they, they, the customer is required to pay duty and taxes from anything from the U.S., outside the U.S. So if you're not a savvy, um, if, you have, if you're a Canadian, you haven't purchased product from the U.S. before, you're not expecting that bill. Um, and so it, it'll be great to be able to satisfy that market because there's a, a large design community there um, and, and be able to ship locally. So it's to expand into the marketplaces that seem to resonate well with the tree. So first will be Canada, then uh, Australia and the UK. So we're testing other marketplaces. We get a lot of interest outside of the States and uh, just want to be wise in terms of expansion that way. And then it's to create additional accessories to the, to the tree. Um, one of the things I'm really excited about, you know, the great thing about the tree is the simplicity. There's one LED uplight that sits underneath the tree and it points up. That's it. That's how the entire tree is illuminated. It's not a bunch of little bulbs where one goes out and you're screwed or, you know, you got to unwind all this stuff. Um, but I'm excited because this new LED that we had the factory make for us um, has, you can select any color of the rainbow spectrum, either by remote or there's a phone app. Um, you can um, change the the, the uh, intensity of the light, whatever color that you want. Um, you can upload an iTunes song like the Nutcracker, and the, the light will strobe to the sound of that song. Um, there's some really amazing advanced features that I'm really excited about. And so this will give our customers the ability to make the tree theirs. It, it will take on any look they possibly want it to look. Um, it might look different. Uh, your five-year-old might want it to look different than you do, but you'll have the ability to, to change it depending on who the person is or what the house looks like and really excited about that. So it's the goal isn't to, you know, talking with Barbara isn't to create a brand new tree that resonates with a larger market. It's to take the trees that have already developed and um, create little changes and accessories to them. Um, and so that's kind of what we're doing. So we Low can- level of risk, high reward stuff. So we can assume that the deal in some format did go through? It did. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and she's great. I mean, I, I, I had per picture, or I selected the perfect shark. I, I didn't think of that going into it, but she's just really cool. She's hands offish. Um, you know, we've got a really unique product. So it's not as though I need her to knock on a particular door for us. We have a strategy to sell direct to the consumer and, um, you know, her, her, what she said to me is, look, you know, your business more than anyone in the world. You know, there isn't something that we can say, okay, this looks like this and this had success by doing this. So this is the roadmap to your success. Um, she trusts that I'm doing what I think is best. And her biggest value to me is being a sounding board for my ideas. Or if I do need a door open or, um, you know, she, she's, uh, she functions very well in that capacity and I, I think she's a great person. So it's been great. Is your, your consumer, are, is this their primary tree or is this for a different portion of their house? I'm glad you brought that up because I don't know. And that's why <laughs> we are doing this market research to go back and to try and figure out. I, I've got a bunch of assumptions, but we weren't smart enough initially to have all of this in place to ask these questions. So that's one of the four top questions that I'm going to ask. Is this a replacement for your existing tree 
or is this in addition to the real tree or the artificial Christmas tree that you have? I do know that it's very, very common with my consumers that this is an additional tree, that the trend is people are putting up additional, you know, multiple trees in their house. But what percent of my, you know, several thousand customers or whatever it is uh, are using it? to replace their tree or a secondary tree. I don't know. And that's what I'm trying to figure out so that we can create content that speaks to that. I was also wondering if people use this, is it possible that people could put this on the exterior of their home adjacent to their uh, front door, maybe a covered area? Uh, The answer is yes and no. Uh, I am looking at doing an aluminum tree um, that is more of a primary outdoor tree. The problem is the the rings are made of acrylic. And so, you know, if it hails or if the wind bashes it into something, it's going to break, you know, like if you were to jump on it or, you know. And so I'm playing around with an idea of doing an outdoor tree. But Barbara says I can come up with one idea per year. So this (laughs) LED light is the idea for this year that, you know, once you start going in too many directions, you're creating too many messages for the consumer and you're diluting everything and, uh, you need a a unique story every year, and I think focusing on one is a good advice from her. Yeah, you know, it's what's interesting, and you have to you'll be curious what you learned from your marketing consultant because when you started describing this new tree, my mind goes to you know I just uh, finished a remodel, newer house, and mm-hmm. so we're finishing up the basement, and I'm thinking like by the basement bar, a little bit of music some crazy mm-hmm. lights. So I, I wonder if what you'll learn is that a higher percentage than maybe you thought are, you know, using this as a secondary tree in a fun part of the house, because I would assume that'll maybe recalibrate some of your marketing efforts, you know, of taking the picture in the cool spot of the house yeah. with the music, you know, it'll, it'll be interesting what you learn there. Yeah. And it's, it, I know it's almost silly that I don't know, you know, I, I've made assumptions about who my market is for a long time, and I'm excited to really invest time in, in figuring this out. Um, I don't know. We'll, we'll see what happens. But, yeah, you're, you're exactly right. And let's create that marketing specific to those that application. Like, we're not trying to compete with your artificial Christmas tree or your real tree tradition. I mean, years ago, I wanted to do this, you know, video ad where it was a split screen where it showed the artificial Christmas tree and then the modern Christmas tree. You know, an old man dragging out the artificial Christmas tree from the basement. You know, it looks like crap, but, you know, unwinding all the lights and, um, you know, hurting his back. And then, you know, the woman on the split screen dragging, taking it out from underneath the bed, you know, opening it up like that. But um, I, I, I presented in uh, presented to a third grade class that were doing a, a Shark Tank style project. And this little boy in the back raised his hand and he said, you're not trying to replace my real tree, are you? And I was like, oh, okay, I get it. Um, No, we're not. If you have that tradition, I love it. You know, what we're offering is people another tradition or a new tradition. But tradition is important. This tradition was important in our family and the traditions that you have are important to you. So, no, I'm not. That was the answer I gave him, and that's the answer that I took from it. (laughs) It's like, no, we cannot go to war with artificial Christmas trees. (laughs) Matt, have you had to uh, defend your IP, defend your patent, have uh, folks trying to knock you off? Uh, Yeah, uh, on a a, a 
a low level scale that you'll, yes, there's been a few, um, Nothing that I'm overly concerned about right now, but you'll see on Amazon a tree that looks exactly like our tree or, um, you know, uh, even some of the verbiage is exactly the same. So, yes, but no, normally a cease and desist letter is sufficient to get them to knock it off. Um, there is one that, uh, you know, there's one that is a little bit of a, a knockoff, but, you know, I have to think. From a business standpoint, does it really compete with my tree? Um, you know, I, I, I don't want other people to fail. Um, so if it doesn't really compete with our tree, then, you know, I'm not, I'm not sure, you know, for the first answer would be, yeah, anytime I see it, I want to fight. Like, who are you to steal from my family? And this is my grandfather's vision. And, but, you know, I mean, it's, I want people to, come up with ideas and if it doesn't compete with me, then, you know, I'm not, I'm not here. I'm not a litigious businessman, uh, but I know that I have to do that at some point. And if I do, what it'll tell me is that I'm successful. Yeah. So, um, and well, that, that Joe, very well might happen. Joe knows some people that can take care of these yeah. people. And we're, we're not talking about the litigious <laughs> route. Yeah, all right. Help you out. Real so you cool. All right. You know, a couple guys, I know some guys. <laughs> Good to uh, know. Let me ask you this as we, as we wind uh, down, you've been at this for 10 years. What's the biggest mistake uh, that you've made? And then I asked that not to beat you up, but just yeah. so, you know, the entrepreneurs listening might be able to, to learn a lesson or two. Oh, man. When I do my speaking to these kids, I talk about the, um, the importance of there is no failure. Failure is just the opportunity to learn, right? You put yourself out there and you fall on your face a hundred times and you dust yourself off and you learn from it and you move forward. So I, I mean, biggest failure, like in the past two weeks or like, <laughs> I mean, they, ha they happen all the time. I mean, I, the one that pops into my mind was I thought I was so smart because I had figured out early on that the diameter of the tree had to be 42 inches because if it was, Anything above 42 inches, I can go to 48. But that's the shipping cost is three to four times more. So I was like, oh, look at the big brain on me. And so I, I had a diameter tree of 42 inches. But then when you put put it in the packaging, right, and it, it becomes 41 and a half inches. And FedEx or UPS charges you four times the amount. So that's one that comes to mind. Um, I, I think the other one is trying to develop too many products and too many things. Um, that's one that kind of resonates in my mind right now that, you know, I think that's a problem with entrepreneurs is they want to create the next great thing. And, um, you know, instead of focusing on, okay, what you have is, is good, potentially great. Just focus on that. I think being, a, you know, having too many ideas and being, you know, and then I think having what I've learned, you know, with this, um, you know, knowing who the customer is, the fact that I have to go through this process. And the reality is, if, if people are honest, um, and my business consultant tells me, the majority of companies don't know who their, who their customer is. They have an idea of who, who it is, um, based on this or that, but they, do they really, have they really spent a lot of time having those conversations and doing those surveys? And, um, that it was a mistake early on not doing more work, uh, trying to understand 
the motivation of the customer. What problem do we solve for them? Interesting. Perfect. Well, this was such a great conversation. Really enjoyed it. Um, since there's only one place to buy the product, tell us where that is online. And then how can people follow along uh, on social media with you? Yes. So the website is Modern Christmas Trees. Please, trees is plural, dot com. Joe, it's, Joe, it's plural. Plural. <laughs> okay. You know what, though? I, I, want, I will give myself credit for this. I did buy modernchristmastree.com from somebody in Taiwan for 500 bucks or whatever, and so it is a redirect. So that was one of the, you know, <laughs> for every massive mistake, there's something I can point to. Like, eh, there was that one time where I got that right. I got that covered. Yeah, right. And then, yeah, we're uh, pretty prominent on social media, um, either through um, Instagram. I think it's Instagram forward slash modern Christmas trees and uh, on Facebook as well um, on the modern Christmas trees business page. Um, and we're, we're really excited about this new LED. We've evaluated uh, competitive LED technologies and some of the stuff just doesn't exist. Um, and so they made it specifically for us, but I'm excited to see kind of what this LED, what the applications might be for outside of Christmas. And that'll, I'm assuming, be available well before Christmas for people to purchase it? Yes. In fact, we should probably have something up on the website. I've got the uh, the working prototype after, you know, this is like the sixth or seventh downstairs, and I was just blown away with it. So I placed an order with the factory, and, um, yeah, it'll be on the website within the next couple months, um, and uh, you'll be able to pre-order it. We, uh, the last thing that I'll say is that because we have a holiday product, from a business perspective, the perfect scenario is Christmas Eve, we don't have any inventory. We have sold out everything we expected to sell. And so what we do from basically that day to midsummer is take pre-orders. Um, and while the trees are being produced and made, Pre-ordering reserves you one of those trees that I'm making, and then the, the inventory for the year will be available in early fall. So it's kind of a different uh, type of a product, you know, where if you're selling T-shirts, you're buying and selling T-shirts year-round. We place one order with the factory per year, and uh, so right now we're, we're, we're doing pre-orders, which is going great. We're up uh, 100% over this time last year, so... I have this uh, vision in my that, head. That trend probably won't c- continue, and that's a small amount of data, but so far, so good. I have this vision in my head that Christmas Eve, you've sold out all your inventory except one ugly Charlie Brown modern Christmas. <laughs> but no, we can't I, let you off. We I love that off. vision. We're going to say goodbye and wrap up, but we, I, I need everyone to know this, Tom. This guy, Matt Bliss, is all in. And the reason I know he's all in is he has his product tattooed on his damn arm. Look at that. And on the other arm. And there's my grandpa. grandpa. Look at that. Love it. What's grandpa's name? Yeah, and and, uh, uh, Bud. Bud Stoker. His uh, first name was Lawrence, but everyone called him Bud. Bud Stoker. That's beautiful. You're all in, Matt. You're a treasure. Well, I'm buying. Thanks, man. I enjoyed this, guys. Thanks for 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 giving me this opportunity, this venue to talk about my grandpa. I appreciate it. No, this is great. I'm getting the LED tree for my basement. That's the only part of my house I have any jurisdiction. So (laughs) I got to get one. I have a man cave. I'm going to do the same thing. Done. Yeah, the man cave market. Okay. We'll see what the – I don't know if this these uh, surveys will reveal that that is the market for this, but who knows? 
Well, thank you so much we'll for uh, thank you so much for making the time. We really enjoyed it. You got it, guys. Thank you. All right, we're back for the post game where we break down what we learned from the talented entrepreneur that we had a chance to talk to. As always, Joe, you're first. I have a couple things. Matt, uh, great dude, great story. I'm sure you enjoyed uh, the interview as much as we enjoyed, enjoyed doing it. Um, he's a, a person of intention. He had a great deal of intention here. He put himself out there. And when it comes to risk, he decided to do something different. I like the fact that he said, I'm just going to be in the, in the uh, business to consumer. I'm not going to do retail. A risk probably warned against it by a lot of people, but he's willing to take that risk. And, and I think the reason he's able to do that is another thing that I took away from our interview is he really, really understands who his customer is yep. at a very yep, deep yep. level. So important for every business, important for us in our business, important for Matt Bliss, but he's really, really focused on who their customer is. And then he tells the story, another yep. piece of this. Yeah, and he said he hired a consultant to do that. So sometimes maybe we think we know who our customer is, but we're completely off base. So an outside party to come in and say, this is exactly who your customer is because once you know who your customer is, now you know who you're talking to. When you're writing social media or you're putting copy on your website or you're designing products or you're writing uh, an email banking someone for the order, I want to know who my customer is and really speak to them versus, okay, I'm talking to a person and I know nothing about them. The alignment of knowing who your customer is and getting the messaging right is critical and he does a great uh, uh, job of that. The last thing that I just loved is he views, as many, many, many great entrepreneurs do, he views failure as an opportunity to learn. And that is, I mean, that's, you know, to me, that's one of those great nuggets. You hear it in different ways, but failing forward, falling forward. But failure is an opportunity to sit back for a second. And have you ever had a failure in business? I don't think so. You're young. Me? You're so successful. You've never had a failure, right? Not today. <laughs> I don't think I've failed today. But maybe we'll Most fail. other days over the past 15 years, I have. But we're still early in the day, so there's the rest right. of the day that we'll, we'll probably I, I, fail. I've made so many mistakes, <laughs> so many failures, so many, uh, you know, but you gotta, in, you know, it's interesting as an entrepreneur. It's like, in one way, you have to have a short-term memory, right? You know, if you strike out next time you come off the bat, you gotta forget about that. Yep. But at the same time, you need to be able to capture every lesson you learn because if you keep making the same mistakes over and over again, it's gonna be a really hard path. Yeah, I'm not so gonna chase that slider yeah, going away. So I, I wanna, I wanna remember every lesson I've ever learned, right. but not bring any of the baggage with me yeah. as an entrepreneur. A uh, couple other things, I, I love these. Um, he said he was trying to develop too many products. Yep. Yeah, look, as entrepreneurs, oh, we want to create this and we want to create that. Eh, yeah. You know, be very deliberate in what you're creating. It doesn't mean you can't have more SKUs over time. It doesn't mean that you can't branch out into other revenue streams in your business. But be very deliberate and calculated. Don't, uh, you know, you can move slow and deliberate in that area. Um, another one, does not and will not discount. I like yeah. that. And I'll tell you why I like that, Joe. I like it because... Uh, modern Christmas tree. I saw them. They're really cool. But you gotta wait till after Christmas and buy one. Cause he'll put them on his website for 80% off. Well now you've conditioned the public to never pay retail or full price for what you're selling. Just wait for the deals. And I actually think that's a bad practice. So yeah, I it, like people that it, say this is what the product is 
and, and don't discount stuff because there are certain brands that, and you can think of them in your own life where you're like, yeah, I would never pay full price for that or I don't pay full price for that because they always run Black Friday sales or they always run sales after Christmas. I just think it's a bad practice. Yeah, it takes a lot of discipline to stick to that, but uh, we think that's important. He posted on Facebook a goal to be in uh, the White House. To the White House trees. And I thought that was so cool. It reminded me of a story years ago. Uh, there were a couple kids that said, I want to play basketball at the White House with President Obama. And they just kept telling people that. And then guess what? It happened. <laughs> I remember that yeah. story. I mean, it's just so when you put your intentions yeah. or your goals or yeah. your thoughts out there, you never know there. who reads it. You just never know. And I, yeah. I just I love that. Um, and then the last thing, uh, he just said, talk to everyone. You just don't know who knows who. You know, so share your business, share your story, share your goals, share what you're doing. It's a big world, but it's a small world. And when you're a nice person that's doing interesting things, people always want to help you. And people may not be a direct target or direct client for your product or service, but they have a center of influence. Bob Berg, who wrote um, uh, Referral of a Lifetime, uh, or Endless Referrals, I'm sorry, said that everyone knows 250 people personally. So that means that everyone you know knows 250 people personally. That means your center of influence is at least 62,500 people. So talk to everyone. Put yourself out there. Uh, someone may be indirectly able to help your business move forward. Yep. Good episode. Modern Christmas trees. Check them out. Matt Bliss, hell, hell of an entrepreneur. Uh, enjoyed talking to him. And, and it's Christmas way, season. By the way, we, we have a little business called Growth 10. We help entrepreneurs get better faster. We put them in uh, small groups of like-minded people that coach each other, train each other, share best practices, help each other really get better faster. So uh, go visit us at growth10.com and go to Outside the Tank. Put your email address in and grab our latest book. We'll give you a free Audible copy uh, and Kindle, Kindle version, uh, OutsideTheTank.com. Okay. We'll see you next week on an all-new episode of Outside, Outside the Tank. Tank.